I, I love, man, I, I, I'm on this journey of becoming a dad. I'm a dad. I have five kids, but I, like I'm, I have spiritual kids. And when we first started the church, we didn't think we we're going to have spiritual kids. We didn't understand. We didn't know what that looks like. And, and sometimes that's taken a little too far and it, it can be a little weird, you know, and like controlling and people are like, well, I'm your spiritual father. You have to do what I say. But I'm on this journey of like God expanding my heart to love people. And I, sometimes I can see the father wound on, on people. And sometimes I just want to, like, I can see young men and they, they never had a dad. I just want to grab them and say, dad, so proud of you. Or maybe they had a father, but they never had the affection from their father that they should have, that they deserve. How many know it doesn't matter if we had a dad, good, bad, or, or absent, we have a Father in heaven. Come on. God is so good. I love that revelation of the Father's love. I think that if we just focused as a church on, Lord, we want to capture the heart of the Father and we want to release it to the world, I think we could do a real good job as Christians. Did you hear what I just said? It's real simple. Capture the heart of God. The heart of a father. That's what this whole thing's about. Jesus came because he was sent by God. He was sent by the father. Forty plus times in the gospel of John, the father sent Jesus. And we need to capture the heart of the father. The revelation of the father's love. I love seeing people get a revelation of the father's love. There's nothing like it. I believe that there's a grace on my life to release that revelation on people's hearts. There's times where I, I have the privilege of praying over people and just, just putting my hand on their shoulder and the Father's love just comes and fills their soul, fills their mind. I, I can't explain it. All I know is that I'm getting a greater revelation of His love and I have the honor and privilege to be a window of that love, that I get to release it. We as Christians actually get to represent Jesus who came to reveal the heart of the Father. Jesus didn't just come to show us what it's like to live holy. Hello? He didn't just come so we could have a moral compass. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. The world needs the heart of a Father. The projects all over the city, all over the world, in every home, there's an absentee Father heart. We need the fathers to rise up. We also need the Father's love to seize our hearts. We need the Father's love to grip us. The Father God's heart is beating for humanity. See, when Adam and Eve fell, it was impossible for God to let them go. He, it's impossible for God to let his kids go. He did everything because the fire of love in his heart. He sent his only son to reconcile us back to himself. Why? Because he wanted to bring us back in the family. Glory to God. He wanted to Bring us back into that sweet fellowship that, that Jesus has with the Father and the, the fellowship of the Spirit. That's, that's where you belong. Did you know that? You, you actually are surrounded by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says, For in Christ dwells the fullness of the God in bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. I need to do spiritual warfare. No, you need a revelation that you're in God's heart. You need a revelation. You're seated with him in heavenly places. Ephesians chapter two, verse four. 
You're seated with Christ. You have the same fellowship that God the Father has with Jesus. You don't need to pray to Mary. You don't need to pray to a saint. You need to pray to the Father. Because you have access by one spirit. Ephesians chapter 1. In Hebrews it says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Why boldly? Because we have access to dad. My kids know they have access. They interrupt me when I don't want them to. But they have access. They barge in our room sometimes. I'm laying down, taking a nap. Startled by the door opening. They have access. My kids, a kid that has a, a revelation that their parent loves them, they always have access. If your kids can't approach you, then you're not loving them the right way. Oh, did I say that? I didn't, I thought it. I didn't know if I said it, but I guess I said it. We can approach God because we know that he thinks well of us. We know that he loves us. How do we know that? We see it all throughout the life of Jesus. We need dads. We need fathers to rise up. And we need to rep Christians. If we just focused, hear my heart, on the revelation of the father's love and the father's heart, and then release that, we would do a really good job. If we just made it simple... Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. I want to read a couple of verses to you. John, if you can, you want to open up your Bibles, you can. John chapter 1, verse 18. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus manifested, revealed the love of the Father for humanity. Jesus didn't come to save us from his angry Father. God doesn't have two sides. God doesn't have a split personality. It wasn't God's holy, just, wrathful, vengeance side that says, i got to pour my wrath on Jesus. And then his other loving side, well, I'll send my son so that I can abuse him so that I can have a relationship with humanity. No, no, no. He sent his son to demonstrate his love toward us. Come on, while we are still sinners, he died for us. The Bible says he reconciled us back to himself. See, God didn't need Jesus to reconcile himself back to humanity. Jesus gave his life to shed his blood for you to remove the pollution of sin to get you in line that you are reconciled back to God. God just, Jesus came to reveal who God is. He's not far. He's close. And the pollution of sin has made you an enemy of God in your mind. Colossians 1.21 Sin made you an enemy of God in your mind. Well, well, God can't look upon sin. We've taken all these things out of context, not realizing that sin is not the number one problem. It's right relationship. Sin is part of the equation. Sin is not a legal issue. It's an organic problem. It's a, it's a spiritual cancer that Jesus came to heal. He came to set us free from the spiritual pollution of sin so that we can love again. So that we can be in relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That we can love one another. We can know God, make Him known, know one another. This is what, this is the the difference between existing and living abundant life. God wants us to walk in abundant life. Jesus came, say this with me, say, Jesus came came. to reveal the heart of the Father. This is so huge. This is so big. He didn't come to solve a legal issue. He came to reveal the heart of the Father. 
And, and you know the heart of the Father a little bit, but there's, it's so big. The heart of the Father, how big is the universe? His heart is bigger than that. It never ends. Scientists say it just keeps growing since the Big Bang when God said, let there be light. It's just expanding and expanding. Why? That's the heart. It's trying to catch up with the heart of God and it never will. Well, yeah, God loves me. I know. No, you don't. You still struggle with depression. You don't, you're just still getting a revelation of the Father's love. See, depression can't exist when you know you're surrounded by Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And there's no condemnation to those that may struggle with that. Or maybe there's a sin or something that you're just struggling with in your life. Acceptance or, and you're, and you're per, performing and always trying to do your part and, and be seen and be heard and be somebody. I'm telling you, you are already somebody. You're already seated with Him in heavenly places. And the heart of the Father on Father's Day, what, what a perfect time to talk about the heart of the Father. God's heart is so big. If the, if the believers in the earth today just captured that one thing, the revelation of the Father's heart and revealed it to the people around him, which, by the way, when you get a glimpse of the Father's heart or capture the Father's love or happen to gaze in Jesus' eyes and see that fire that John the Beloved spoke of in Revelation chapter 1. When you see the fire, you cannot help but to reveal the Father's heart. It's impossible not to. You can't pass the one. You can't. It's impossible not to adopt once you've been possessed with the spirit of adoption. I want to adopt everybody. I want 10,000 sons and daughters by the time I breathe my last. I want to love well. I want to be able to take the most unloved, unaccepted, hurting, broken people and wrap my arms around them and say, you are so significant and loved. And I was created and sent by God to bring you into this revelation. There's so many people that don't, they've never felt the affection of a father or a mother. But they have a father in heaven. And we get to be his arms. The church gets to be the arms of God to humanity. Sometimes we get a little twisted and we don't realize how open his arms are. We still think that well, if, if people clean up just right or they repent just right or pray that sinner's prayer just right, then God will accept them. No, they're already accepted. They're way more accepted than you could ever imagine. The, the adoption papers are signed. It's signed, sealed, delivered, ready to go. They're already forgiven and they just don't know it. And all they have to do is receive it. They have to believe the gospel, believe the good news that before the foundation of the world they were accepted. Come on, somebody. This is the good news. And when we, when we capture the, the, root, the core of what this whole thing is about, you know, the core of the gospel is not about a scary, monstrous God coming to abuse His Son on the cross. It's about a loving God that will not be satisfied until He pours His love out on you and brings you back into fellowship with Him. That's what the Gospel's about. It's about an extravagant love that you could never comprehend. Just one drop of a revelation of this love will change your marriage. Will change your relationship with your kids. Well, change the way you handle betrayal in the church because you will be offended, but you can choose not to be. And when you have a revelation of the Father's love, it doesn't matter. It's, you can't help but to forgive. 
because you understand that it's the pollution of sin. It's the, the cloud, the haze that has corrupted our minds, not knowing this, the heart of the Father. God wants to reveal His heart to you today in a greater way. He wants to reveal the heart of the Father. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. He said in John 14, verses 7 and 9, that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They're like the disciples, show us the Father, you know. Show us a miracle. Jesus is like, I just raised Lazarus from the dead. Come on, guys. I, I wonder if Jesus ever wanted to smack him. Probably not. He's, he's so much more. Lo- Isn't this message about a loving God? <laughs> like, come on, oh, you have little faith. Oy vey. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He's like, guys, this is exactly what God looks like. If you want to know what he looks like, just look at the cross. Arms spread wide, saying, forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. That's, that is the revelation of who God is. It's foolishness to those that are perishing. It, it, it doesn't even make sense. That's God flexing his muscles. Saying, I forgive you. I love you. No matter what you do. The Father's heart burned with jealousy when broken relationship took place thousands of years ago in the garden. It's always been God's plan to join Himself with us. And He did it through Jesus, through the incarnation. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father. Colossians 1.15, The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Hebrews 1.3, The Son is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. If you want to know what God looks like, look at Jesus. Well, isn't he angry? Look at Jesus. The old covenant put a veil over what God looked like. That's what the Bible says. Paul said it veiled who God is. But we see what God looks like in the face of Jesus. Well, what about when God in his wrath and look at Jesus? That's the shadow. The Bible says the Old Testament is the shadow. Colossians chapter 2 and 3 says the Old Covenant's the shadow. Jesus is the reality. Hello? If you want an accurate picture of something, you're not going to look at the shadow. The shadow is gray. It's two-dimensional. It's not a, a, a good representation. But you want to look at the real deal, right? Jesus is the real deal. Jesus is the exact representation of His being. He's the reality. He's the substance. I think so many times we, uh, we do this Christian thing without knowing what it's all about. It's really all about if Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father, He came to reveal this. You know, you read it in the Gospel of John over and over and over again. Jesus came to reveal His love to us, to bring us to that place, the way He prays for us in John 17 that they would know this same love that we've shared, Father, before the foundation of the world. And I want them to know and share in this glory because He was going to die and be buried and resurrected. But not just that, but He was going to ascend into heaven and sit at the right hand of God. And guess what? Bring humanity with them. Hello? Restore them into relationship with God. Sometimes I think we do this whole church thing forgetting that it's all about the revelation of the heart of the Father. And we complicate it with so much stuff. But if we just realize that we can't do this without Father's love. We, you, 
it's not, and I know God gives grace to single parents and, you know, you need a mama, you need a dada. Like, the, it's just the way God designed it. It's, it's the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. It's a picture of family. But I'm telling you, there's something about a house without a father that's just chaotic. We need dads to rise up. We need dads to be responsible. And we need sons to become sons. We need those that think like orphans to become like sons and to get around fathers and receive a love from a father and say, I need your blessing, Father. I'm so thankful for spiritual fathers in my life. I'm so thankful for my dad in my life. But I'm telling you, we, we do this whole Christian thing without realizing what it's all about. It's all about a revelation of the Father's love. And we do it without God's presence. Like We can't do it without dad being home. You can't function as a family without dad. Without dad, dad comes home and just everything gets put in place. How many say, I want dad to come home? Like, I want, I want the father's love. I want a revelation of the father's love. You know how many people are, are just, their hearts are broken because they don't know what it's like to have a dad in their home. Well, they're perfectly ripe for the harvest. They're, they're so ready to hear the good news, that they're adopted, that they have a Father in heaven, that they're accepted and they're loved. I don't know about you, but it's getting, it's summertime, it's getting hot. How many know it's getting hot? Look at the person next to you say, it's getting hot. Don't start singing that song, it's getting hot in here. Don't. I know that's what you thought about. Some of y'all almost got up <laughs> dancing. Summertime, kids are back uh, out of school and, you know, they start sleeping in and stuff. A couple years ago, we had to get our kids back on schedule because school's starting. So we gave them a little Benadryl. It's all, it's all good. I don't advise it. I say call, consult your physician, but uh, we, we cheated. And uh, it gets a little chaotic sometimes. One time I came home, my kids had just started school. Josiah was like in first grade. Josiah's my youngest boy. And he's pretty crazy. He's a baby. And I get home and it's just, it's, the house is in chaos. I mean, you know, my wife is, is an amazing wife. I mean, but the, sometimes the kids don't listen to her. And so that's all it takes. If the kids don't listen to her, they're much better. This was a couple years ago. They have gotten better, huh? They're growing up. Maybe because they're, you know, the oldest are 12 and 14, but they're, they're actually starting to listen. But sometimes I come home, I'm like, man, these kids are like, everywhere you look in my house, there's a kid. Look in the closet, there's a kid. Oh, you know, I get home and David's on the Xbox and uh, I could see my wife was a little vexed. Like there was just a little bit of, I, I come home and there's a little bit of chaos going on. And so my son's, he plays Xbox. How many have kids that play Xbox? Lord have mercy on them, right? They're consumed. I got to take it away every once in a while. He has his headset on and he's like playing Call of Duty or something. He's like, 10 4, I got him. Boom, headshot. Oh, you know, and he's like, he, once he's there, he's in another world. You, David! And he's just playing the video game. He's gone. He's in another world. He don't hear his mom's voice. You know, David! He's learned though. Now he's like, yes. And then you have to say like four times, then he finally comes. So I get home. It's chaotic. My daughters are practicing cheer. They're doing back bends and cartwheels in the living room. And little Layla is like dancing to something on TV. That's how she dances. She's just, if you do that, she'll start dancing. You do a little beat. She's like, right away. We're back there and Rochelle's feeding her and, and the worship starts and she looks up and she's like, and just starts moving. She's so cute. My, my daughters are doing back bends and cartwheels and they almost hit Layla in the head as she's dancing. And 
chaos. I walk in, Josiah has a sword, and he's just wearing underwear. And he's running around the house, Dad, look at my sword. And he's got cheese puffs on his face or something. And he's like, watch this, Daddy. And he runs off, and there's a big hole in the middle of his underwear, like this big. Oh, God. Nobody wants to see that. Jesus. All my kids. Oh, then Laris. I forgot Laris. He's also in his underwear with a sword running around the house, playing with Josiah. No, he wasn't. (laughs) I walked in. I saw my wife's face, and I could tell the chaos. It was just... And I knew they weren't listening. I knew she had already probably told them five times, clean your room, straighten up, do your homework, right? That's usually the three things. That... So I said, guys, I walk in, do what your mom's been asking you to do. Clean your room, do your homework, straighten up. Immediately, they start working. Because they know I don't play around, man. I'll... Give me that sword. <laughs> Give me that underwear. <laughs> I'll rip it. More. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Rochelle says, dad's home. Immediately, I got this picture in my heart. The absence of father in the chaotic world and the pollution of sin and how we need father. We need dad to come home. We need the revelation of the father's love. It's seen in nature that there's, there's these young male elephants in Africa and they start killing rhinos and they're going crazy. This is real. And, and out of nowhere, they just start behaving erratically and they're killing people and stampeding people. And they realize that there's no dad elephants around. So they go to another area and they bring in all these big dad father elephants. And in no time at all, these male elephants just change their whole disposition. The chaos leaves. The violence disappears. There's something about dad coming home. I, I remember as a kid, the sound of my dad coming home. I mean, no, there's a sound like you just, when dad comes home, there's this excitement. And when you begin to experience the love of the father, there's this longing and this love for fellowship with Papa God that it's, it's the life source. It's, it's what we are created for. It's why Jesus came. I remember as a kid, my dad worked long hours. He'd come home around seven, eight o'clock, hardworking man, awesome father. I, I honor my dad. He is the most, I tell people, if I can become half the man as he is, I will raise up 10,000 sons and daughters. And he would come home. And many of you know my dad, like he's just dad. He's just a papa. You know, he's alpha male. He looks way better than me with the shirt off. I don't even swim with him anymore. I don't know what, I can't even do push-ups. He just, he goes swimming, he takes his shirt off. Like he's 67 years old. Like dad, can you look frumpy, please? I can't even swim at your house anymore. Look at me. Thought I had your genes. Am I adopted or something? (laughs) Flabby and stuff. Man, Lord help. Okay, I'm sorry. I need a sozo. (laughs) I remember my dad coming home and there was a sound. I would hear the keys. He's coming to the door. and It didn't matter what I was doing. I could be in a bad mood, a good mood, a, a sad mood. And immediately my disposition changed. Why? Because dad comes home. I could hear the mailbox. Because he'd always check the mail. And I would run up to the door. And I couldn't wait to run in daddy's arms. And I'd run and I would jump. He'd have stuff in his arms. I'd almost knock him over. I didn't care. I was glad that daddy came home. We need a revelation of the father's love. So that we can have a home. Hello? There's a lot of people that have great homes. But they don't have a refuge. 
I want my home to be a refuge. That was always our prayer. When we started the church, it became such where 40 youth would be all packed in our living room, experiencing the love of the Father. Kids that lived in the projects just not too far away here in Henderson, you know, it was like South Central, hardcore gangsta. No, it's not. I just make fun of inner city Henderson. But these kids, a lot of them don't have, a lot of them don't have dads. I tell people that sometimes like, yeah, we're kind of an inner city church, inner city church, you know, (laughs) kids just coming because they, they found a refuge. They found a home. You can't have a home without the father's love. You, You can't be at peace without the father's love. There's always chaos. There's always something. But if we just understand that this is what Jesus came to do, reveal the heart of the father. And as the church, if we get a hold of this, we'll become a refuge. The lost will be banging the doors of our homes and our churches down. They'll want to be around us when we're at Starbucks or wherever we are because we just, I feel, I feel accepted around you. I don't feel judged. I, I feel accepted. I feel forgiven. I feel this is what it is. The church actually starts looking like Luke chapter 15, the prodigal son. They start looking like the father with open arms. Not closed arms like this. Just waiting to tell somebody what they're doing wrong in their life. But how about you're forgiven and you're loved and he wants to heal you and set you free. And he wants to give you love so that you can have functionality in your family and in your relationships. This is what's missing is the heart of the father. When you get a revelation of the heart of the father, when dad comes home, the proverbial picture I'm painting, when dad comes home, it changes the atmosphere of our life. Jesus came to reveal the heart of the father. Something about dad being home. Uh, there's, there's this change that takes place. I want to read some scripture to you in closing. Ephesians chapter 2. This is so powerful. I want to read it to you in the Amplified version. Ephesians chapter 2, I'm just going to read six verses to you just to exemplify what what I'm sharing with you this morning in in honor of dads and calling fathers to rise up, but also in honor of Papa God, but, but getting this understanding of how important it is for us to not be so presumptuous that we know God loves me. But there's this long journey of understanding the the riches of God's grace and His love. It's a journey in the heart of Father God. And as believers, this is why. I, I actually believe this, that when we come together, we know God's everywhere, right? How many know God's, you know, in one sense, He's everywhere. He holds everything together. But when we come together, how many know you, you feel His presence? It's the tangible, what we call the manifest presence, the revealed presence. I, I actually think that In the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, worship is going to get more and more and more intense. His presence will be so intense, people will come in and just lay flat. They'll come in and just be healed. They'll bring people in on wheelchairs and on sick beds, and they'll just get up. No one will have to pray for them. No one will have to say anything because the presence of God is increasing. The glory of God, which is a revelation of His love, is increasing. But what I believe is that when we come together and we experience God together, that we're actually just getting a little bit more, a little greater revelation of the heart of the Father. He says, I think they can handle a little more. Let's just give them a little, just a little drop. But there's an ocean. 
And every once in a while we get just a little drop, just a little, just a little rain falling down. His love is so deep. His love is so wide. Paul, in this uh, passage here in Ephesians, I think he exemplifies what I'm saying. Verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 2. Are you ready? But God, so rich in his mercy, because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love which he loved us. Isn't that powerful? It's intense. The love of God. Why are you so intense? Because the love of God is intense. In in one sense, this verse can be translated that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in eternity, they're so full of love, they had to create us, His kids and His image, so that they could pour their love upon us. Why why was that created? Just so God could had somebody to pour His love on. Hello? It says... He's not satisfied in order to satisfy this great, wonderful, and intense love which He loved us. Even when we're dead by our own shortcomings and trespasses, He made us alive. Say alive. You're not created to exist. You're created to be alive. You're created to live abundant life, knowing you're accepted, knowing you're beloved, knowing, having total assurance that God has got your back. He's in you and you're in Him. You know where you are in Him? You're in His heart. You're the apple of his eye. You're in the center of his being. You're in his heart. You're in Christ. You've been united with him. You're alive. You don't just exist, you're alive. There's a lot of Christians that quote scripture that just exist because they they still see God as a two-headed monster. God doesn't look like any of that stuff that came later in church history. He looks like what the Bible, he looks like what Jesus came to show us. Say alive. So we've been made alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life which he quickened us. He quickened him for it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve that you're saved, delivered from judgment and made partakers of Christ's salvation. Verse six. And he raised us up together. Say raised up. See, you've been made alive and you've been raised up. He raised us up together with him and made us sit down together. Say, sit down. down. You're sitting right now, but you're also sitting in heavenly places with him. He made you alive. He raised you up and he sat you down next to him in the spirit in heavenly places. This mystery that in the spirit, you're actually positioned with him in the glory of the father. Surrounded by his love. Seated with him in heavenly places. Verse 7. He did this so that he might clearly demonstrate through the ages to come the immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of his free grace and unmerited favor. His kindness and goodness of heart toward us in Christ Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? It's the mystery kept secret since the world. You know what the mystery is? The heart of the Father revealed in Jesus. It's the gospel. You can't keep it a mystery once you really get a revelation of this mystery. It's impossible. Verse 8, it is by grace you've been saved 
delivered from judgment, made partakers of Christ's salvation through your faith. And this salvation is not just of yourselves, of your own doing. It came not through our own striving, but as the gift of God. Not because of works, not the fulfillment of laws, demands, lest anyone should boast. It is not the result of what anyone can possibly do. So no one can pride himself or take glory to himself. Verse 10, for we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. Come on, the word is poema, his expression, his poem, his artwork. You're God's design. You're God's dream made reality. He dreamed you, named you. Come on, before the foundation of the world. That's your purpose was to be in family. And through Christ, he comes to just get rid of this pollution of sin and bring us back to himself. You're his design and his dream. Sin threatened his dream for you, but he came to remove that stain and bring you back into reality what he dreamed for your life, which is abundant life. Which is life surrounded by him which is life in family, life knowing the heart of the Father. You're His handiwork. His poema is the Greek word. You're His poem. Your life maybe didn't have rhyme or reason or rhythm. Come on, some of y'all still have Caucasian rhythmic disorder and you just can't find the beat. But God's love changes the rhythm of your heartbeat where you get it and you actually can dance to the rhythm of His grace. And you don't look so crazy at weddings anymore. I love watching people dance at weddings. Lord have mercy. Says that we're his workmanship, his poema, recreated in Christ Jesus. I'm closing in this, verse 10, that we may do the good works that he predestined, planned beforehand for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. See, good works isn't just like a good deed. It's living the life he created. And when we understand where is it workmanship, when we understand what Paul's saying here, that he could clearly demonstrate through the ages to come his immeasurable, limitless, surpassing riches of free grace and kindness and goodness and heart toward us in Christ Jesus. When we get that, good works are manifested. The life he wants us to live and us manifesting the heart of the Father. That means men of God become loving husbands and, and loving fathers. Come on. That means ladies, you become, and men of God, you become sons first. Amen? Daughters become, uh, women, young ladies become daughters. And the hearts of the fathers turn to the children and the children to their fathers. That was revealed in Christ Jesus. It was the, one of the last promises in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, 6. It's revealed there's a turning of the heart. There's a repair going on. There's a restoration of what family actually looks like. That means moms, when we understand this, we, moms, you become the most loving wives and the most loving mamas you could ever imagine. You become just like the Holy Spirit. God wants to reveal a greater revelation of his heart towards us. How many would say, I want that? I I want a greater revelation of the Father's love. I'm still on this journey. We're still, the church has been trying to figure this stuff out for 2,000 years. The mystery of God becoming man. Why? So he could reveal the heart of the Father. It was the plan from the very beginning to bring us in relationship with him to bring us back into family that we're totally accepted, we're totally forgiven, and we're loved with unfathomable love. God, we thank you for your love for us. It's so great 
We want to be a church that looks just like you. We're to be conformed into your image. We want, to, we want the, the world to look at us and see our arms wide open, ready to love, ready to receive, ready to give them the good news. God, we just thank you that we're not afraid to rethink things. To, we're not afraid to say, yeah, I, I know to an extent that God loves me, but I, there's more. His, there's, the revelation I have of God now is, is cannot, it, it can't suffice. There's got to be more. God is bigger than my current revelation of Him. God's love is deeper than my current revelation of God's love. You know, until we become... The, the people of God, you know, raising the dead and, and doing the, the good works. I know that in part we see great things happen, but how many know until we start seeing the things that God wants, the manifestation of the sons of God in the earth, we've got to know that God wants to unveil to us a deeper revelation of His love. I think we've barely begun. We've barely begun to gl- get a glimpse of it. So as your people, Lord, I just... Open up my heart and I ask you to make us ready for the prodigals. Make us ready for the hurting. Make us ready for the... Lord, just send us. Lord, uh, let the fire of your love, the very fire that's been burning in your heart, Father, from before the foundation of the world, from the fall in the garden, the fire that sent Jesus, the fire of your love. It wasn't a fire of judgment. It was a fire in your heart that sent Jesus, to bring us back to you. Let that fire brand our hearts so that we can be sent, Lord, so that we, as the people of God, become the church, become the refuge, become those that love the orphan, the widow, the downcast, the broken. We feed the hungry. Come on. We visit those that are in prison. We clothe the naked. God, we want to become like Jesus. We want your heart. Say that with me. Say, I want your heart. I want the Father's heart. I, I really do. I want to I be able to just hug a person and change their life. I want to be able to just embrace and pray for somebody one time. And it, it literally changes their life. It puts them on a new path. Why? Because I have a revelation of the Father's heart. And I reveal it. I become a window. I become a stream. I breathe in the Spirit of God and I release His life. I become that fountain of life that Jesus spoke of in John 4. In John 7, 37, that river of life that flows out of my heart. I become that fountain of life. Let us become that fountain together. Are you with me? We say amen. Lord, we thank you for your mighty presence. We love you. I thank you for your people. I thank you for the dads and moms and sons and daughters. I thank you for the family of God. God, I pray that you would even restore some of the holy fellowship that maybe we had a little bit more respect and honor for early on as a church plan in the first couple years. I pray that you would cause us to come under and drink from that sweet, fountain again that we can honor one another in such a way that Jesus is just so manifested and revealed. Unite our hearts. Join us together, Lord, in your love. 
Your love is a passion for oneness. I thank you for the unity of this body. I thank you that we're becoming a mighty army. I'm telling you, church, the harvest is about ready to... We are going to quadruple in size in the next two years. And you better be ready for the broken and the hurting. You better be ready to rise up and start discipling people. Some of you are going to have to get over your offense and your things that you've been dealing with. It's time to grow up. It's time to rise up. It's time to mature in the love of God. It's time to love like the Father. Hello. Get ready. This is the time. Lord, we thank you for this great purpose we have individually and as a body. And we don't take it lightly. And we receive your love now. Say, Father in heaven, I receive your love. I want to give it away. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. Would you just give God some praise right now? Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Amen. Our prayer team is here right now. I know that there's uh, several people here that maybe you want prayer. You need prayer. You need an embrace. I saw a picture uh, before, during worship, before I started preaching. Maybe you're in this place and you need a hug. There's some daughters that need a hug from moms. There's some sons that need a hug from dads. I want to ask our prayer team to quickly come up, our community leaders. And I want you, if you need prayer or maybe you just need a hug, you just need to experience the acceptance of God on your life. I want you to come. Gender-specific daughters, come to the mamas. Amen. Sons, come to the dads. I want you to come and just receive what God is saying in this moment. Maybe you need healing in your body. Maybe you need salvation. Maybe you just want to give your heart all over to Jesus again. Come on. And you want to surrender. Maybe you want to get filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have your prayer language. We're ready for that too. Whatever we want to minister to you, we're ready, willing, able, and we just want to minister life to you. Amen. So would you stand up with me? And I'm going to dismiss you. Lord, I bless your people. I thank you for this day. I just speak a blessing of heaven over them. In the name of Jesus. Now, you may be dismissed. Love some people before you go. And if you need prayer, come now. In Jesus' name, amen.